So welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell here with my co-host, Mr. John Jones. And uh, we got a cool topic for you today. Um, And I'll tell you, John, it's one that we've gotten probably more questions about in recent months than probably any other topic. Yeah. And and, and from almost everybody that we speak to, it's a little bit different how it's being interpreted. Mm-hmm. And I think we, as of last week, got a, got a new update that's going to help us better understand the yep. outcome yeah. for the topic. So Fannie Mae came out with a lender letter. I believe it came out last Wednesday um, for mortgagers and servicers on how to handle um, the forbearance question, which that's the, the topic that we're going to spend some time talking about here today, um, is what is forbearance? Why are we going through um, this situation? And what happens next? And I think a lot of the concerns are, um, you know, what is it going to do to the real estate market? Um, yeah. You know, you know, obviously that's that would be our concern, too. So, you know, forbearance started with the CARES Act, which Congress passed back in March to help due to COVID help homeowners, struggling homeowners that were unable to make their mortgage payments um, due to deferment or layoffs. Um, essentially, initially extend uh, a no payment option for six months. Yep. And then they passed an additional six months if um, if you still were in, in the same situation and unable to make payments. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the CARES Act benefited a lot, benefited a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Right. Forbearance was just one of them. This was also the stimulus package that got um, some money into Americans um, hands right away. And also provided for some provisions um, for extra unemployment. And to your point, John, the um, payroll protection loans uh, that a lot of folks took advantage of and and rightfully so and thankfully so has probably kept our economy going for the most part. But, you know, the the CARES Act came out rather quickly. I mean, the government acted quickly to put these provisions in place. And where it was a real surprise for us is from the mortgage standpoint, in the past, we're, we're not unfamiliar with forbearance. We've been through situations before where you had the ability to get a forbearance. And so forbearance basically allows you to skip a mortgage payment, maybe to whatever it may be. In Florida, we see it a lot because of natural disasters like hurricanes. But to be able to qualify for forbearance in the past, specifically here in Florida, you would have to prove hardship. Correct. The provision provided by the CARES Act, you did not have to provide hardship. There really wasn't any explanation to what forbearance actually was or what would happen after you started making payments again. And I think there was a mad dash of Americans who strategically went into forbearance, even though they were able to pay, they were able to pay. Right. Right. Correct. And uh, I think we said at one point over three and a half million Americans took advantage of forbearance in one way or another. Yes, I think we, we started a peak April and May and then um, you know probably hit our cap in June. And then from that point on, we've kind of slowly been declining with, with people that have gotten out of forbearance. Yeah, it, it was so rapid that mortgage companies were just putting people in forbearance without them even asking. Correct. No, 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 of course, they would have, they would have still taken your payment had you sent your payment in, but in an effort to slow down their phone lines getting hammered by people who were asking questions about forbearance, they were just putting large blocks of, um, you know, borrowers in, into forbearance without any idea that that option existed for them. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't have forbearance without any idea of what the repercussions of it oh, might be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, correct. And, uh, you know, a stat I looked at earlier as we were kind of preparing for this, this podcast too, is what's amazing to me is nearly 775,000 Americans didn't use forbearance and just allow their loans to go delinquent. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. And here's the crazy part. They get hurt by that. But the person who took a strategic forbearance. No penalty. No penalty. No impact to credit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Uh, absolutely crazy. So um, anyways, we mentioned that lender letter that came out um, that allows, that, that gave some guidance for how to handle forbearance and how to get homeowners out of forbearance. So what are some of the things that we learned? Um, the, the biggest thing is, you know, which eye-opening to us was that if you have deferred the payments, essentially the that money that you've deferred, if you've missed, let's say, a $2,000 a month payment for six months, that's $12,000. When you call your servicer now that you're back to work and able to make payments and get back on track, you've got the option to take that 12000 essentially and negotiate to have that deferred into a second mortgage lien on the property with no penalties interest due, that essentially stays out there until you either refi or sell the property, and then that second gets paid as well as the first mortgage balance. So basically, you are tacking the missed payments onto the principal. Yes. That's kind of like borrowing money from the mob. Well, the mob charges interest, so not... (laughs) Not quite like that. <laughs> so, so again, don't we don't want to scare anybody. There, there are no penalties or interest added to the original mispayment. That's fair. So, not like the unlike mom. unlike maybe Vito with you on your <laughs> side stuff. So, basically, the it gets tacked onto the the mispayments. I mean, get so, tacked onto so the it, yeah, yeah. So, truly, those those folks that it, that had the hardship. I mean, you know, we had a lot of folks lose uh, lose jobs. Um, and you weren't able to make payments, you know, and you and you you had a house that you were perfectly fine pre-March, making payments, going to work every day. Mm-hmm. So if you've missed the six payments and you're back able to make payments, that option exists. There's no penalties. It stays again on the backside of the loan until you pay the entire loan off, then do refinance the property, then do or sell the home and then do. So it's you know it's it. I think it's a fantastic option for those yeah. folks that truly needed that. So let's take a look at this option a little bit deeper. So to John's point, look at it like a second mortgage, basically the missed payments tacked onto the principal. Here's the crazy thing about that is normally when you make your mortgage payment, part of it would go to principal and part of it would go down to pay down the interest. Mm-hmm. The tack on is all to principal. Correct. Right. So you actually end up owing more than just the payments that you missed. Correct. You know, in, in the long run, which, you know, you're again, over the life of the loan, you're either going to sell the home or refinance it. You may eventually pay it off. But over the life of the loan, um, basically, you're it, it was almost like taking out a home equity line of you credit. Were, you were borrowing against yourself dollar for dollar. Yep. I mean, and, and that's all you were doing. No different than borrowing yep. against your own 401k. Now, what happens in the case where somebody wants to get current on the mortgage? So you, you're going to reach out to your your lender servicer and, and talk to them about what options are best for you. Um, the option um, they're going to give you is a, an accelerated catch-up. Okay. Let's say if you're able to, let's say you deferred the 12000 and you're now back to work and you're able to catch that up. 
they would simply say, you know, we can add the thousand dollars that you, you know, per month that you're behind on the 12,000, add that to your existing PITI payment. And if you're able to do that and afford to do that, then you would be caught up at the end of the 12 months. So at at that point, now that goes away and you're right back where you were pre-COVID. Okay. So basically you have a repayment option where you could pay your normal payment plus a little bit more Mm -hmm. to eventually get you caught up. Now, here's what I think you're going to see. There's going to be a large number of homeowners who are going to be back in a position where they can pay their mortgage. Mm -hmm but they may not necessarily be able to pay at the original terms. And so what I mean by that is they've had like a reduction in income. Maybe they had to change jobs because of COVID, whatever it may be. And I'll just Mm -hmm. use nice, even round numbers. Let's say their mortgage payment before was a thousand dollars. Today they can't afford a thousand dollars. They can only afford $800. Do they have any options? They do. They, they can reach out also with the servicer lender and asked, ask for a loan modification based on that, <clears throat> let's say restructuring hours at your job or you're self-employed and your business has been affected, you are back able to open and do business, but maybe you're at a 50% capacity. So they're going to work with you in all the different options that are available and come up with the best plan for you. But there, th- that option does exist. And if, if that's something that, that, that works for you, uh, our understanding is they're going to go ahead and re-amortize re-amortize that, that mortgage over a 40-year term potentially to lower that monthly payment. Wow. Now, in, in an instance like that, are they going to have to be able to prove the original hardship or are they going to, or, and or, I guess, are they going to have to be able to prove what they can actually afford now? I think each service is going to handle that a little bit different, but they, they do make mention that they want to verify that that is an existing hardship for you and, and, and get some documentation to maybe bank statements to prove and provide that. Okay. What other, are there any other options available to, to get back current? You can certainly always negotiate to pay it in, in full catch up. So if you, are, if you are back to work and you did go into deferment and you are able, let's say, to make the $12,000 through a checking account or some sort of savings, you can certainly do that. The bank will gladly take that money back, and you'll be all caught up and, and uh, reinstated. Yeah, I'm going to go with not a lot of people are going to take that option. You might be surprised. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the options that are available for folks that want to refinance immediately with the amazing low rates that we have in the, in the market today yep. um, without having to wait that 90-day wait period after they get reinstated. Mm-hmm. So I think that you're going to see some people who are going to be pretty surprised about what repayment looks like. Absolutely. There, there are probably a large amount of consumers out there that didn't have clarity or know what their true options were going to be when it was time for the repayment to happen. I think a lot of them felt like, okay, if I take a year's worth of forbearance, they're just going to add a year on to my mortgage. And that is not one of the options at all. It is not the option. Yeah, I mean, exactly to your point. That means that let's say the the home value was three hundred, and you deferred twenty thousand. You know, your your new loan balance is three twenty, um, which affects your own equity. So when you do go to sell or refinance, that could impact either what you take away from closing, 
or it could impact you from refinancing, depending on the debt yeah. ratio. Yeah. So we're, we'll get into this in a minute about, hey, if you've done forbearance, what are your options for purchase of a new home with a mortgage and refinance of a mortgage? But I think one of the concerns in general we see, John, in our business is people are concerned what it's going to do to the housing market, mm-hmm. all, all of the forbearance. And and that's because like if you were in real estate or lending, in 2008 through 2010, chances are you still have some pretty deep wounds, right? You have some not so fond memories. Yes, that wasn't. That, we 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 blocked that. <laughs> we that try to block that part of three our three year life. period out of our lives. <laughs> so, and and a lot of what caused that uh, time in our lives was delinquencies on mortgages. Yeah, and and that that. Recession, Great Depression slash was caused by some of the r- mortgage loans that we were making. In, in my in my house, it was the Great Depression. It was, we were depressed. Because we were depressed every day. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so today, we don't think that, that we're going it, to... It's not going to be the result of the mortgage industry. I, I think this, there's a possibility that you're going to see some foreclosures, and you're going to see sure. some short sales. And, and part of what points me in that direction is the almost million homeowners that went delinquent on their mortgages during this time that didn't have to, that could have taken advantage of forbearance. And part of that is just people not knowing what their options are, right? Sure. Um, So listen, like real estate friends out there, now is the time that you want to be hitting your database and doing check-in calls with people and just seeing how they're doing, right? You can probably answer some questions for them that could possibly lead to you getting a listing or maybe even a buyer or getting introduced to somebody new. Maybe they have a friend or family member that has, um, you know, some questions that can be answered. And, you know, John and I also would just love for you to share this video or this podcast with them so that they can learn a little bit about it too. But um, the the reason that you're not going to see as much foreclosure and short sale is because of the equity position that Americans are in today. Correct. Right. And uh, I I think I saw somewhere that um, the average person who owns a home has $177,000 worth of equity. Now, that's an average based on the fact that nearly a third or more of people who own a home own it free and clear. Right. So that that certainly is a factor into it, too. If they've bought a home in the last few years, they probably don't have that much equity, although they'd probably be pretty surprised with their equity position. Right. So the difference is, is, you know, when we were going through the Great Depression, as you and I described it earlier, people were putting homes on the market and they weren't able to sell the home for as much as what they owed on it. And so they either let the house go into foreclosure. Hey, I'm just going to quit making my payments. The bank will eventually come take it. Or, hey, I am going to sell the house and hope that the bank forgives my short balance. Um, I don't think you'll see as much of that this time around, although you could see some. I, I would agree with that. Okay. All right. So what options does somebody have who's interested in refinancing? So they can, they can get reinstated. So if somebody's, somebody's currently still in forbearance and they want to refi, they need to call their existing lender and tell them they're ready to get reinstated. So once they do get reinstated and they're able to make their existing mortgage payment, they have to have three consecutive on-time payments made, and then they're eligible to do a refinance. Well, wow. okay. Yep. How about for a purchase? For a purchase, they can. Um, that varies lender to lender. We we find out some have 
overlays that, that are requiring up to 12 months. Some are doing the same three months and some immediately as long as that debt's been satisfied. Okay. Yep. So, um, and, and the other option for a refinance would be, again, if you're, if you're behind three or four months and you want to capitalize on the low rates that are out there right now and you do have the savings to bring the loan current yourself, you can certainly do that, get all caught up and immediately refi that same week. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think one of the best provisions when I look back and look at that lender letter that I hadn't considered until really reading it is, again, I think there's going to be a large number of people who want to keep their home, but the payment may be a little bit out of reach now Mm -hmm. based on their, their uh, job or career situation changing. And some of these servicers will be able to work with them absolutely to try to keep them in the home and get them a payment that they can't afford. Um, now, as you hear me saying that, um, it's you're not going to be able to necessarily do that strategically because you're going to have to be able to prove that you need that help. Correct. You know. Correct. So, in other words, like just don't start calling your servicer and being like, "Hey, I'd like to lower my mortgage payment," because unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the bottom line, if you are in forbearance now, I mean, if you're able to get out of it, I mean, now, you know, you certainly want to get out of it. I mean, and get, get, get back on current with your mortgage and stop deferring, you know, essentially just adding to the balance of your loan. Yeah, I think, John, you just made a huge I point. Mean, yeah. You're borrowing against your yeah. own savings. Yeah, you just made a huge point. So if you didn't catch what John just said, with everything that you've learned from listening to us for the last... 20 minutes or so, if you can afford to make your mortgage payment, make the payment, start making it, (laughs) start making it because all you're doing is digging yourself a deeper and deeper deeper hole, you know? And I think that the, I think the biggest penalty of forbearance and, and again, I'm not, you know, I try not to put my values of money on other people, but is the the principal tack on. Correct. You know, you'll work so hard to pay that down yeah to just have principal washed away for no reason is yeah i mean it, look if you, if you were if you were in the market to refinance and you did go ahead and tack on that principal it's going to impact your loan it's going to mm-hmm. impact the ltv um, whether or not you need may or may not need private mortgage insurance so it's going to change drastically the the uh the outlook of your options yeah yeah do you think there's any other you know, questions out there that maybe consumers or real estate agents or loan originators might have that we need to consider in regards to forbearance? I, I can't think of any. I think everybody wants to know really where the market's going to be in 2021 with all this. Okay. Um, let me get out my crystal ball. Right. Polish it up real good. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think that we have low rates to look forward to. I agree um, with that. You know, I... Uh, I had, I had a couple of masterminds this week with some large producing branch managers at our company. And one of the questions that I, I asked them to consider for our next month's mastermind is, where would your business be if rates were 7%? You know, um, now, none of us are saying we think rates are going to be 7%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if rates are 7% in 2021, I will send everybody who listens to this $1. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a thousand, but you know, Whoa. we didn't expect COVID Whoa. coming. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you, you never know what's going to happen. But um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, here's the here's the thing you got to put it in perspective. I think I got into the business in 2007. The very first mortgage I wrote was a cash out refinance interest only 30 years. It was a 7% mortgage. Um, that was a good interest rate back in 2007. Um, I think historically, if we look at the last 30 years, obviously rates are the lowest of our lifetime right now. Mm-hmm. But if rates were four and a half percent or five percent, is that a high interest rate? Well, I don't want to date myself, Brian, but when I started in the business, the interest rates were nine point seven five, and I was only a few years before they were twelve and thirteen percent, and at one time fifteen percent. So we've steadily come down over the last forty, fifty years as far as mortgage rates, and yeah, I would uh, be squeamish if they ever get back to seven percent. Only what it does and the impact on our property value. Yeah, and, well, and the ability to qualify. So, listen, I think the government is definitely invested in making sure that rates probably don't we don't get to levels like that again. Right. Um, because home ownership is um, so important to the overall economy of our country. So I think the the Fed will continue to do whatever they have to to keep home affordability low. Right. Um, and interest rates good. But I you know going back to your question, what do I think interest rates are going to look like? Um, I think you're going to see them stay low where they're at right now. I mean, I would be surprised if they get to four and a half, like you said. Right. Um, not that that's out of the, you know, the, the scheme of right. things. Um, in terms of business, it's hard to predict where our business is going to be in 2021. From the purchase side, all of the data suggests that we will continue to have a strong purchase market. Right, that'll probably continue to be a seller's market well into 2021, and right now that's driven by the low inventory um, that we've seen in the market. But um, I think you're going to continue to see for the next five to six years a pretty healthy, healthy housing market, and and healthy would be four, five, six percent increase in year-over-year sales. You know, compound that over the next five years, that's pretty great. Now, what's driving that number? is um, births in our country. And if um, the average age of a first-time home buyer in our country right now is 33 years old, and that means those folks were born somewhere around, I think, 1987. Um, I'm taking a stab at that. That's Um, fair math. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And if you look at birth charts during that time, there's a steady growth from 1987 through the mid Um, 1990s. And so if that trend continues, what's driving home sales now is family formation. So it's um, men and women who are choosing to get married, become couples, buy a home and or start having children. And the average age of people getting married has increased rapidly over the years. It has. You know, um, people, in other words, people used to get married younger than they do now. Today, they're waiting until they're older to get married. Um, but that's what's driving home sales primarily right now. So from the housing market perspective, you're going to continue to see a pretty healthy housing market. From a refinance perspective, you know, we saw some data recently that there are something like there was something like four trillion dollars worth of refinances available in the market. Right? That's people trying to take advantage of rate and term or people trying to take advantage of a cash out refinance, which right now would be a great time to do like a debt consolidation or something like that if you have the equity um, in your home. Why wouldn't you want to 
why wouldn't you want to pay three and a half percent or four percent instead of twenty two percent on your credit card debt? Correct, right? Um, so that that would be the purpose of like a debt consolidation or a cash out refinance. So right now in the industry, we've refinanced about one point three trillion of that four trillion that's available. So there's a ton still out there. Yeah, I, I just saw an updated stat with um, that uh, they expect to do about two trillion for 2020 in refinances. Two trillion. Yep, so we'll roll into 2021 with a, with two trillion still left to go. Yep. So 2021 could still be a pretty big year um, for our business. Here's what'll happen: is if when you start to see rates creep up just a little bit you'll start to see a rush of people wanting to refinance because of fear that they missed out, right? They, they missed it on the bottom um, of the rate market. And so they'll come to the market pretty quick for those refinances. The other thing that you're seeing industry-wide that has slowed down refinances currently is capacity, right? Every lender sure. in the country is probably at or near capacity, and everybody's going to protect the core business. The core business is and will always be purchase business. I've said my whole career, whether rates are 4% or 14%, real estate agents will always sell homes. Yes. Right. Yep. And so people are going to, lenders are going to sacrifice their turn times on refinances in an effort to continue to provide the service levels for our purchase customers. And I mean, that's what we've done here. And that's what a lot of companies have done too. Well, now the lenders are starting to get caught up. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, um, you're going to see the loan officers start getting back after bringing those refinances in. So I think that as we head into the fourth quarter and the first quarter of 2021, you're still going to see some pretty high levels um, of volume in in our business. Yeah, I would agree. Hey, so why don't we go ahead and wrap up today? Um, One message we just want to remind you guys, if you know anybody or you are currently in forbearance and they have questions, please reach out to to their servicer, the lender, um, to know know your options right now. Don't don't bury your head in the sand and um, pretend it's not going to happen or go away. Um, We went through a lot of that again a decade ago, like Brian touched on. Um, But be proactive and figure out a game plan. There are plenty of options available and your lenders want to work with you and they want to keep you in your home um, and and not have to go down the route of uh, a foreclosure. So again, you know, be proactive, not uh, reactive. Yep. And our goal here uh, on the Contacts to Contract podcast is to always add massive value to you. So if you found what you've heard today, to your liking, make sure you uh, get on our, our YouTube channel, subscribe to that so you get alerts every time a new podcast comes out. Share it on your social media platforms and don't forget to like. It's our pleasure to serve you in any way that we can. On behalf of John Jones and myself, make it a great day. Yeah.